just in, Brie Larson auditions for movies. Welcome, everybody, to the Resistance Broadcast. I'm John. Thank you so much for joining us today. Yes, that's right. Brie Larson has auditioned for movies, and sometimes she doesn't get the job. Breaking news. Breaking news. Uh, we're going to talk about that just to open the thing here. Uh, James and Lacey with me, as always. Yeah, so I'm sure by the time this airs, there's tons of articles out there saying Brie Larson has auditioned for a Star Wars movie. Hateful and YouTube videos. Yeah, and it's going to be really positioned as though this just happened and that, she, oh, is she going to be in the Taika Watiti movie? Is she going to be playing Ray's cousin? Is she going to be playing, you know, all these things are going to be coming up in these articles. But the truth of the matter is uh, she started this YouTube channel. Uh, we were neck and neck for a while with her and subscribers. Uh, for the first three minutes of her channel launch, and then she passed us, left us in the dust. So we need you to subscribe to us on YouTube, please. We gotta please. catch. We gotta catch up to Brie Larson. <laughs> and um, she just in passing kind of just said she was asked by I don't know who she had on, but he had said I auditioned for Solo, uh, and now I don't know if it was for Lando. It was an African American gentleman. I don't know if he was. Uh, he got beat out by Donald Glover, which, you know what, I'd put that on my resume. But anyway, he said, oh, I auditioned for Solo. And she said, oh, I, I auditioned for Star Wars. I also auditioned for Hunger Games and the Terminator reboot. And that was it. Uh, and I'm sure people have since run away with that again, you know, by the time this airs. But uh, what do you guys make of, uh, of that uh, craziness, if that's even what we want to call it? Lacey? Uh, I don't think it's that crazy i i remember i saw a couple people tweeting about it and i was like okay so she auditioned like they said a ton of people auditioned for ray back in the day from like jennifer lawrence after the hunger games all these different people so it could have been during that i mean it was just weird to me because it's like it's like saying that you didn't get a job you know it's like oh i applied to these jobs and i interviewed for the job but i didn't get the job here are all the jobs that i applied for like i don't I don't know if I would brag about not getting jobs, but that's just me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, I agree with that, too. That was kind of my first thought. I will say the only difference that I can find in this particular thing is that um, I think when we look back at movies, we kind of fantasize about, like, what if Kurt Russell was Han Solo? Mm-hmm. He didn't get the job either. It doesn't It doesn't mean he was a a failure it just sure. means they went that they went that route so it is it is kind of funny to to you know she's saying and, and the other thing about hollywood too is like yeah a lot of people go out for a job like if if a employer puts up a job they might get you know i don't know tw- 20 applicants or something like that but sometimes in hollywood it's like it's crazy and everybody's going for the parts and stuff solo, especially they in saw big 3, roles people for han solo I, I know that's what I'm saying. So for for an actor to be like, yeah, I was one of the the three that that you know was was in question or in competition for it. It doesn't really like throw me off. I mean, we have like I said a long history of like, well, this guy was gonna you know was gonna be Will Smith in The Matrix, uh, but then he did Wild Wild West, and then Keanu Reeves took the part. You know what I mean? Like, I think recently he brought uh, that up and like said he regretted. Oh, like, you have to regret I mean, that one, yeah. I mean, there's there's tons of stories along those lines. Now, granted, this wasn't her being offered and she passed, but right. I, I I think like 
in a way like kind of saying like that's just the way that it is like sometimes like when two like really awesome people come to you who do you want to be in your movie stallone or schwarzenegger well guess what stallone doesn't get the job you know it's Mm -hmm. not that he fails it's like you just have to go with some of the best options um but it it makes it does make me wonder john because i think you're right i think this was in the past like are we talking Ray? Are we talking Kira? So this is what, are we talking that, that's what makes me uh, think. Jin Erso? I, I don't know that it's Ray because I feel like out of the gate they wanted someone British for mm-hmm. Ray. And I know people can do accents and stuff, but I think their preference there was to have someone from that region. I could be wrong, but I think that's what they wanted to do. They saw a ton of people for <clears throat> Ray. Because I, yeah. I also do think Abrams may have wanted Ray to be tied to Kenobi early on, but we won't get into that. Um, but it could have been uh, uh, Rogue One. What's her name? Jin Erso. Yeah. It could have been Kira and Solo. Yep. Um, although the guy saying, I auditioned for Solo, maybe she would have said, I auditioned for Solo too. So I'm thinking yeah. maybe maybe Jin Erso. I could see Brie Solo Larson. Too. Can you see Brie what Larson job? doing a Jin, Jin Erso? Yeah. Solo too. <laughs> Um, so I don't know. It's interesting, but it does definitely seem like, you know, she's 30 now. So maybe she was in her early twenties, uh, auditioning for these roles in 2014, 2015. Um, I know she's expressed interest in still doing something with star Wars, but who she knows? She was at Galaxy's but... Edge's opening. Yeah. And she's posted photos mm-hmm. with her with a lightsaber and that sort of thing. And I love how angry it makes some people for some reason. So I almost <laughs> want her to be in Star Wars for that reason. But um, th- this whole thing, like, I know people, it's amazing. I always assume everyone knows, can sniff out BS or, like, read the room and, you know, they look into stuff. And they're like, oh, yeah. But it's amazing how many people will DM and send stuff and be like, hey, do you guys hear uh, Brie Larson's going to be in Star Wars? Or she's auditioning for Star Wars. I'm just like, ah! I'm like, no, I don't want to have to explain this because then I sound like a snob explaining it. I'm just like, just don't go to certain sites or, you know, just just look into things for like five seconds. Ask questions. Right. Maybe it was the the voice actress for Dr. Afra. What? Brie Larson. She says, I have a oh, for Star Wars. I don't think so, but I would like to know more about that. <laughs> we'll talk about it at some point, right? All right. Well, we'll get out. We'll we'll start the resistance report then. James, go ahead. <laughs> it's the resistance. Well, John, that's not even the first story on the list. <laughs> I just thought it was funny that we're talking about casting uh, yep. a female character in Star Wars, right? Uh, the actual first story that I want to talk about today on the resistance report is, uh, well, actually everything today has to do with books, right? It's a, it's a book day. So if you're a book reader in the star Wars world, you're going to be happy about today's episode. First one up is, uh, the Mandalorian has officially announced a lot of upcoming books. And these are all things that we, I don't know, right. Have been like speculating like when when are we gonna get this book um but i'm gonna pull it up here real quick but we're talking uh they announced an official visual dictionary uh uh an art of mandalorian book which i know Lacey's gonna be pumped on 
uh, an original novel that's coming, uh, and then a ton of other things for for juniors and and uh, all sort of like learning books as well. Um, but I think the three main ones that everybody's excited for is the visual dictionary, the novel, and the art of book. Um, I'm going to start with you on this, John. What do you think about the, what do you think about the, uh, what do they call that? The fashionable, fashionably late entrance of all these books. Well, I mean, it's, it's funny. These, um, art of books and these visual guides, which I don't know why they call this one a visual guide, not a visual dictionary, but it's going to be the same thing Mm -hmm. with Pablo Hidalgo are so popular now with the Mm -hmm. modern era and they, these are guides. This one's a guide. Yeah, so I don't know why some are called guide and some are called visual dictionary, but whatever. Um, They are cash cows in terms of uh, sales. These seem to be some of the best-selling Star Wars books out there. People like to understand more of the finer details and maybe things that aren't mentioned or shown on screen or explained on screen that they can find in here, concept art, all that stuff. Um, And the fact that they have made the decision to do it for each season of the Mandalorian is just like ka-ching, ka-ching, ka-ching. Because you're not buying season one's art of and season three. Star Wars fans like the collection. They're buying all four of them or all five of them. So that's quadruple the amount of the books you're going to sell for both of those sets, the art of and the visual dictionary, let alone this uh, original novelization by Adam Christopher. Um, I don't know. It's... I guess it's expected. It's cool. Um, I'm curious because of the dates on this. The Art of is coming out December 15th, which is going to be well into the run. Uh, probably maybe already done with the run of season two of The Mandalorian, which means what's going to be in there that may have spoiled something that'd be in season two. So we'll keep an mm. eye out for that. Uh, the original novel's coming out December 1st. So again, is that at the end of The Mandalorian's run, which is starting in October? That's possible. So are there things in that novel that, um, again, would be maybe spoiled with uh, season two stuff? So I think a lot of that comes into play in terms of the release dates, and that's why all the stuff is coming later. And then there's stuff coming in the spring, too. They're doing comics with Marvel and uh, yeah. IDW. Oh, yeah, that too. Yeah. So I know it's, it's cool stuff. I like The Mandalorian. I, I'm curious to see how much Favreau was involved in overseeing in that sort of stuff because this is his baby. And uh, obviously Filoni is probably well entrenched into this sort of thing in terms of uh, the lore and, and the connectivity with uh, Pablo and the visual dictionary stuff. I'll probably pick up the, um, I don't know, maybe the like visual guide or something like that. I'd have to see what the novel's all about. The only thing I will say, I hope that the novel, the original novel is not a prequel for the Mandalorian. Like I'm like, I'm almost all set on uh, origin stories. I know it's ironic because of the solo, my love for solo, but I don't need to see like Mando being a kid and learning with Death Watch how to become a, a Mandalorian sort of thing. So I hope this is more of uh, him as an adult, just what he was doing as a bounty hunter before he met the child or even who knows what. But uh, we, we will see in a few months. Uh, Lacey, what do you think of this? What do you think of these books? I'm surprised that they're coming out so late. You'd think that they would have paired this with the Mandalorian releasing last year, but mm-hmm. I'm assuming it's because they didn't want to conflict with the Rise of Skywalker and everything else with Clone Wars, so they were yep. waiting. But um, I am pumped about the art of the Mandalorian book. As soon as they announced that, I was like, yes! Because in the season, at the end of the episode, they do all the credits with the concept art. And I remember the first question we all had as Star Wars fans was, are you going to have a book with this art? Like, can we see mm-hmm. this process? 
Um, and they talk about it a little bit in the docu-series, uh, the gallery series, about the process of developing characters like Baby Yoda and um, the look of certain things. But I don't know. I just I love these books. I collect them like crazy. I think the only one I don't have at this point is Solo. And it's because like these books are like 40 bucks a pop. So it's like you have to like space it out. Um, Mm -hmm. But I just I love them. I love these books. I love the art of Star Wars and, and concept art and the work that goes into it and the talent and basically the vision of someone like Doug Chang who just sees things differently you know they're like oh we need a ship he's like okay give me one minute and he like sketches a ship that you've never seen before it's just like a talent that i wish i had that i could never imagine having an imagine like that type of creativity and imagination like yeah i'm creative about some things but like not like that not coming up with a new building or a landscape or a character or a robot like it's just insane and then you know a lot of these concept artists share their stuff on Instagram and on Twitter and you're like that's so cool and they're like here's 10 versions of BB-8 we came up with and I'm like how do you just like let me just come up with 30 versions of this (laughs) you're like what yeah but I I'm just I'm really excited for that book do you um do you wish you could go back and redo your question and answer patron question uh question because you said it's it's a talent i wish i had or something like that. oh yes no that would you know what i would like to i said playing piano i would love to be able to draw yeah absolutely yeah. my my younger sister is like an incredible artist like i'm not just saying that i know how some people are like oh yeah my mom is this and my sibling is really great <laughs> like i'm not kidding you she's amazing and she's been amazing her whole life because my mom decided at a young age to like put a pencil in her hand and be like, ah, oh, yes, learn how to draw. She didn't do it with me, but she did it with my sister. <laughs> my little sister is so talented. And I wish I, you know, and again, people are like, well, why not start now? I don't know. There's just like mm. a mental block when you get older that you're like, I've, I've lived my life. I don't know. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I, I, uh, I agree with what you guys are saying. I think uh, Lacey tends to lean towards the art of book, and I torn, tend to lead toward the visual guides. I don't have any of the art. Actually, I do think I have like the art of Last Jedi, um, but I I have all the visual dictionaries because I just think that's the most interesting as far as like, um, like I think we've kind of talked about this before. Like you guys lean both both of you actually lean like more on the history of Star Wars and the making of it and stuff like that, and I'm like. Nah, I just want to know like the details of the lore and the characters right, and stuff. Right. So I, I tend to go into that a little bit more. Um, I have one I, visual dictionary, by the way, and I'm pretty sure it came out before The Force Awakens. So it's like an old school visual dictionary with like Yoda on the cover. I should probably take a look oh. at it and see like what's in it because it was given to me as a gift before The Force Awakens. Yeah. And I'm sure. Because there are <laughs> visual dictionaries for like the prequels and stuff, like, but then those aren't canon anymore. Well, the funny thing is, the I think the cover says like the complete Star Wars yeah. visual yeah. dictionary. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> nah, dog, it's not complete anymore. <laughs> well, they they there's st- actually I say I have every visual dictionary. I don't. I have every visual dictionary based on the movies, but they do still release like complete mm-hmm. Star Wars visual dictionaries for the prequels and stuff. To, to this day and I'm like 
dog. Exactly what you said, Lacey. I'm like, I don't have 50, 80 bucks to drop every time you... No, the real complete dictionary. The for real complete dictionary comes out three months later. I think if you took Um, my bank account and took all the money I've spent on Star Wars related items in the past four years, I'd probably throw up if I looked at that number. (laughs) If you had to guess, would you say like $10,000? More than that, easily. Oh my god! Wow. Wow. Yeah. Um, so, John, I have a question of you because uh, you've worked in publishing. the The term original novel mm-hmm. does that mean that it could it it is guaranteed that it is a new story that we have not heard, or is that an original? like retelling it from his perspective of season one. Cause that's how I took it. Yeah. So this is going to be a new story uh, because they're using a junior novelization for an adaptation. Um, so that's going to be covering that. I think um, you know how like they had those like kids versions of the force awakens and you read it and it's like BB eight and Ray and they're blah, blah, blah with Tito. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is going to be, yeah, an original story, um, almost like if you think of like a um, Phasma type of thing, uh, whether it's before the events of season one or after, like that's another thing too that we're going to talk about on Thursday. Um, like is season one and two going to have that time skip? Are we going to have this novel? Is it going to be like, this is what happened after season one? You just finished watching mm-hmm. season two, find out what happened to get us there. Like Star Wars likes doing that stuff. The whole prequelitis thing, uh, ever since the prequels came out, and other franchises have now adapted to that. Well, let's go back now because you know we we can, you know that actor's too old now, but we can recast and tell what happened before, and we can do this. And um, <laughs> that's why these dates really do uh, interest me because this season is starting in October as opposed to the, well, season one, which is November. If you do eight episodes and you kick this thing off in mid to late October, this thing is finished by mid-December, early December, and that's when these books are coming out, which makes me wonder, like I said, are we getting things in any of this that would spoil events of season two? Is the child's name all littered all over this stuff? Is Ahsoka in the book? The planet, yeah, Ahsoka. Uh, more about uh, Moff Gideon. Does he have force powers? Or What are we going to see in these things? So I think... It's deliberate that they delayed them. I know people are like, why do it take so long? And they're probably like, <laughs> Favreau's probably like, you're not putting that book out and ruining my show, my drama, my theater. Give it you know, Christmas next year. Like, Hasbro's okay. like, you made us wait. Yeah, exactly. So they're like, all right, well, hmm. Favreau said so. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm definitely more interested in the book now with the understanding that it's going to be its own story i'm just finding this out right now i i read that story and i go original novel okay whatever because it's (laughs) you know i've read these like these novelizations of the books and i'm like yeah okay they're interesting a little more character development and Mm -hmm. other side things but for the most part i'm like it's the same story like what you're not going to get anything extra really out of it um so um yeah i'm interested now um what they what they want to do with that but and it was codenamed sparrow um, i don't know if that means anything but he just yeah. said it was kind of a placeholder. Probably not. Yeah. Um, there is a, a new update, and we were kind of teasing about this earlier, about the Sarah Kuhn novel that's coming out. Uh, I say novel, but it's like a novelization, so to speak, of the Dr. Aphra uh, comic series that happened, or the character during the, uh, the original Vader run 
of comics when she was first introduced. Um, if you don't know what this is, uh, I say novelization, that's a bad way to put it, but they're writing the story and then it's going to be an audiobook drama or an audiobook adaptation with a full cast of characters. Um, we knew that was happening, um, but now we know officially the cast. And when you look at the cast, there's a lot of cool little insights, but uh, the big one I think they were talking about uh, was the process of, of coming up with the story uh, when StarWars.com sat down with the author. And uh, we know um, that Emily Wu Zeller is going to be playing the character of Afra, along with a handful of other characters like Boba Fett, Luke Skywalker, Triple Zero, Santa Staros, Maz Kanata, the Emperor, Leia Organa, and Darth Vader are all appearing in this book uh, in one way or another. So, um, Lacey, I'm starting with you. Uh, does does the audiobook aspect of it intrigue you at all? Or do you just kind of lump this in with the rest of the books? Like, maybe, maybe not. So the audiobook stuff does interest me. Um, I do read audiobooks sometimes. Um, so that's always exciting to just hear that the, they're getting like a full cast for these things. If you want to hire me, just let me know. Um, but yeah, I, I'm i not intrigued by the story, I'm going to be honest. Like, this isn't something that I'm like, oh, yes, this specific character. Um, I know her story and I kind of like read summaries. I didn't read the actual series, but I know people love it. So per, per usual, glad you guys are getting what you want. <laughs> Hopefully mm. sometime they'll give a novelization or some type of uh, audio drama of other characters that could be cool. Like I could see this being a really cool uh, opportunity for like a spinoff of The Mandalorian or something like that where you could go on an adventure or something like that with characters from The Mandalorian and then I already like The Mandalorian. Mm-hmm. Um I'm pumped to see Mark Thompson on here. He's like the best of the best. So anytime he's attached to something, I'm like, oh, this is legit. Um, I'm going to be honest. I don't really know any of the other people. I'm just like, okay, that's cool. Excited for you. I looked up, I looked up the, uh, not the majority, but I looked up like a handful of them. And I believe that all of them are well-known audiobook uh, speakers. Oh, I don't that's know what cool. the correct yeah, term like for performers, that. performers, yeah. Um, I did know that Jonathan Davis is another one that has read like in canon, current Disney canon novels as well. And cool. he's read a number of them. In fact, I usually figure it's one of those two, either Jonathan Davis or Mark Thompson. I always just assume uh, it's Mark because he knows everything. And that's fair. And that's not um, Jonathan Davis, the, re- the lead singer of Corn. Exactly. I think <laughs> one of the biggest reasons that, that name always popped out to me is because it was like, I mean, I don't even know if this is the case, but it's like The Force Awakens, read to you by the lead singer of Korn, Jonathan Davis. Exactly. Like she looked at Chewbacca and he said, Bunata Bonabana. All right, John, well, what do you, yeah. what's your thought on uh, Jonathan Davis and others doing the uh, Afro audio? So yeah. I haven't heard Mark Thompson's Vader in uh, an audiobook yet. Has he done it yet? Did he do an audiobook for the Thrawn stuff, and did he do Vader? I've only heard him off do, the, like, the, the newest novels. Mm-hmm. Off the top of my head, um, I, I can't give you an answer, but I could pretty much guarantee there's no way he hasn't ever done vader so yeah i'd have to i, I mean that's that's bad on me to have not looked it up and people in the comments are gonna be like um you should have looked it up or whatever but sorry <laughs> um but 
I, I, it's, I, he, it's like funny. Like he's so good at these voices, and he does a great job. But it's not like you can tell. Oh, that's not Frank Oz's Yoda. That's Mark Thompson doing Yoda, and so on. His Han Solo and and whatever. He does a good older Han Solo. Yeah, and yeah. it you just have to say like, oh, this is a, a caricature of of the character in terms of the sound. He's not trying to be perfected. He's he does mm-hmm. such a great job doing the array of characters. So when I hear his Vader, I can't be like annoyed that it's not James Earl Jones, you know. Um, mm-hmm. But I did look up a few of these other people. I mean, you had Emily Wu Zeller, uh, who just was in The Last of Us 2, which is, I guess, a hot uh, game topic right now for a lot of people. I see on, on Twitter and stuff, a lot of people talking yeah. about this game. Yep. She was a uh, voice in uh, the Pokemon animated series. Jonathan Davis, you said canon, James. He also was in Star Wars Old Republic, the 2011 game. Um, he, he voiced Kendrill in that. Uh, and Catherine Tabor as Leia, who was the voice of Padme in... in o- Old Republic is not canon. I, I said you said canon, but he also did the 2011... Oh, yeah. oh correct. He was okay. saying, like, in addition to... Yeah. Uh, Catherine okay. Tabor as Leia, who was the voice of Padme, Padme for the Clone Wars. Clone Wars yeah. And she did Leia for the Force Unleashed games. Um, so she uh, is experienced doing Leia. Uh, so I don't know. It's cool. I'm not the biggest a- Afro fan. I know it's, you know, the Indiana Jones in Star Wars sort of thing. Um, but I never, I don't get into the comics very much. So I didn't really get to introduce myself to Afra. Um, from what I, I, and I'm also always concerned on how they handle Vader in these types of stories. Because I feel like more often than not, they weaken him, in my opinion. I know a lot of people disagree with that. I know there's some where Vader absolutely crushes, but I think in sometimes mm-hmm. it they try to get too into his psyche where it diminishes the the villain of Vader that I need him to be in that part of his life. Um, and I don't know how I feel about his interactions with Afra. Um, for some reason, and I could be off the mark. It feels a little cartoony to me, but. Um, you know, that is what it is. So I don't know if I'm going to get into this at all, but it sounds like they're doing a full scale cast production, which is very cool. I did enjoy the um, first one they did, Jedi Lost uh, with Dooku. I thought that was uh, done well, even though some of it was a little pippy, a little pot- potterish. But uh, mm-hmm. uh, I think this is cool stuff. If I, you know, if I get into a situation where I'm going to be back driving again, I know a lot of people use these things for their commutes to work and a lot of people are working from home now. So what does that do to that market? Are people going to be sitting around their houses listening to audiobooks? I don't know, but I'm sure they're taking that into consideration. I may dip into this, but it's not something I'm going to be like, oh, July 15th, mm-hmm. here I am, July 21st, whenever it comes out, I'm there. So um, I don't know. You fired up? For, well, I you will fi- be. Are, yeah, are you fired <laughs> up for this, James? Are you excited for this story? Um, I was really excited about the audio drama for Dooku, but when I actually listened to it, it was, it was not. It was harder to know what was going on in that book than a regular audio book. So I thought it was cool, but it was very hard to follow. Not just because Dooku in general is like a character that is difficult to kind of you know wrap your head around, like his whole royalty and names and titles, and you know at the different time they were introducing a bunch of new Jedi that you never knew before, other than like Yoda, you know. Um, so it was kind of a hard story anyway. But I'm hoping this one is a, a little bit better. The only thing that bothers me about this is how unreliable narrator they're getting. So I feel like at the end of it. I I know this story, but I don't know all the details. And all of the details are going to be like, well, I don't know. She might just be making all that up. So I 
there's sort of a sense of like it reminds me of when people say they don't like prequels because they know where the characters end so they know that in any situation they they can't die they're just going to get out of this so it like i i don't agree with that but this is where i come in i don't like it when a canon story is just at any point, no matter what anybody says, you could be like, ah, they could just be lying. Or like, ah, that could just could be like their version of it From and none of it of really view. mattered. Yeah. yeah. So them saying that as like one of the key points could be really intriguing to someone that says, um, I, I just want to go on a different story and I want to un- understand her perspective. I kind of find it annoying because I, I want to know like what happened and not, like your version of what you think or would like to see happen. Um, and I'm not talking about the author. I'm actually talking about Afra and her retelling of the events. Mm-hmm. Um, other than that, um, I mean, I, I'm going to listen to it. We're probably going to do a book discussion on it at some point. So look forward to that. Uh, and I did look up all of Mark Thompson's books for you, John, and it's pretty funny there's only one on this list that I'm like, I'm pretty sure Vader's in that one, but every other one is like a new Dawn, heir to the Jedi, dark disciple, all the aftermath books, Thrawn, not the sequel to Thrawn, the original Thrawn that probably doesn't have Vader in it. Uh, novelization of force awakens, uh, Canto bite, last shot, solo Dooku resistance reborn. And then now Afra. he did. And it's the like last all Jedi of those too. are, yeah, well, all of those are... Did he? He did The Last Jedi novelization. Oh, it's not on here. It's weird. Well, Vader was not in um, that anyway. The okay. only one the only one that I think it, uh, he would be is uh, A New Hope's retelling, The Princess, The Scoundrel, and The Farm Boy. Mm-hmm. Um, he, he's obviously surely in that yeah. version at some point. And, it, some and point. I don't know if... Did they do... Didn't they do an audiobook of, from a certain point of view? Because he did a showcase of it at uh, New York Comic Con. Yes, he did. I skipped over... Oh, that's a good point. I did skip over his, like, the one that he read. Oh, okay. Yeah. I was like, oh, it was like a short story or something. But yeah, you're right. Um, the other thing about the Afro thing, which people may remember this. Um, months back, there was a rumor that they were doing an Afro live action show. And I was like, there's no mm-hmm. chance they're doing a Dr. Afro live action show for Disney Plus. There's just no way they're doing it. I wonder if the that rumor came out of hearing whispers of a cast for Afra. Af- Dr. Afra casting. And people oh. like took that info wherever they saw it posted and said that means it's a show because why else would there be casting and that's how that rumor came about. So I think this right here almost debunks that um again I I never thought that that was a, a legit thing when I saw that I was like live action um, after show like I'm like there's no way I mean we're in a different world because I think most of the rumors are revolving around Mandalorian specifically but also uh, Boba Fett is listed there so you see casting Boba Fett you could get lost in that too yeah uh, casting Santa Staros as well yeah you know gets tricky but I when when this was first announced or first made official i remember you made a point like maybe if it was just between us privately or on another show um but i think that just that has to ring true that just makes so much sense that that rumor came out of this thing that's happening it just makes so much sense that how that would be connected yeah 
Um, last thing on the resistance report this week is that, uh, JW Rinsler is going to be writing a new star Wars book. And this one in particular is about the, uh, producer, John Howard Kazanjan. Kazanjan. I said it right. All right. Uh, which, uh, will feature Marsha Lucas. Now he was talking about this book. He did like kind of a live blog thing and he was going into some of the details of how it became to be and some of the conversations that, uh, that he had with her. But I think one of the headline ones is her opinions on the prequels and the sequels. So I don't know, just talk a little bit about this, but this is John, this is obviously right up your alley. What, what did you think of this story? I mean, I watched it. So it's funny. I watched his, um, his little webinar thing and it reminded it just so funny because when he's on our podcast he does similar things yes. like he asks for a glass of water and he's like can i get a kleenex <laughs> and he's like doing his whole thing i love rinsler but uh he you know him talking about how excited he was to be able to speak with uh kazanjin and marsha lucas because marsha lucas rarely does interviews especially um she's not going to be i mean this book is about howard kazanjin really but marsha lucas he interviewed her uh, about it and she's going to be involved and, and you know um i believe she might be writing the forward for it um uh and i put in our headline you know the marshall lucas is giving her thoughts on the prequels and sequels uh and george lucas because that's very interesting to me because she's uh one of the biggest reasons why star wars became a success uh her and john williams i would say to her um, for her editing of the original trilogy especially the first movie which you you know, we've seen what um, a void she left with the prequels. They really could have used her editing, I think, for those films. Um, we've talked about that on the podcast, but um, I think it's going to be a cool book because it's not Disney. Like, so he he can say what he needs to say. You know, there's not going to be any. You better shut up and protect this brand. He can get into things a bit, uh, and I'm sure people of the old guard may not care too much about letting. Um, truths about the franchise and what has gone on come out which brings me to the interest of what marshall lucas may think of um the prequels and you know he said she said nice things about george lucas obviously they got divorced in the 80s um but also the the current slate of movies because george lucas kind of got zipped up about that uh they told mark hamill to shut his mouth about it uh rinsler got let go four years ago and he has he had a whole blog about stuff that he took down uh but now it's kind of like we get to hear from marshall lucas and that's pretty interesting to me um that's like when you hear you know one of the beatles talking about you know what really happened with the band or whatever so that 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 excites me i'm curious to see how much she's in it but uh i believe the book's coming out next spring uh he he had told me actually and uh he may come back maybe we should have him come back to talk about that book uh in the the future Mm -hmm. but um, always love Rinsler stuff. Obviously, his making of books. You know, we've had him on the podcast. His stories are unbelievable. So there's no one better to to retract this information and deliver it in a way for people to absorb it. Um, so I'm very very excited to uh, get this vantage point. Yep, Lacey, what do you think? I think that Rinsler is a great storyteller, and every time he's been on our podcast he's given us stories that no one's ever heard and and tidbits that you want to hear from the time when George Lucas was you know heading up Lucasfilm because you know growing up and watching these movies I didn't really get into the like drama and I don't think it was as out there as it is now 
of like inner workings of companies as it is now with the internet and social media and stuff. So we hear kind of all those behind the scenes conversations and like, you know, random comments made by this person from productions and this is going terribly wrong. So you can't help but wonder like, is it all productions or just currently? So when you hear like, oh, they had to go back and reshoot things when the movie came out for Empire Strikes Back and they had to do this and George had a certain way of doing this, like it it kind of levels it to it's not one movie or the other. It's just all productions. Um, mm-hmm. And it's just really interesting to hear. I, I kind of view it as even though Disney took Star Wars to a whole new level and gave us such wonderful content it's kind of still interesting to hear about Lucasfilm coming up in its production and its popularity and then kind of in this heyday golden era that I feel like everybody references to yeah. then, oh, well, Disney bought it. It's like the Disney kind of cutoff is like where it was like, oh, before the dark times of Disney. <laughs> so it's like interesting to hear these stories from someone that worked there, that worked directly with George and to hear that he spoke with Marsha is just super interesting because she saved Star Wars. So I value her judgment from a video perspective, from video productions perspective. You know, she won the Oscar. She did all these things. I want to know what she thinks of the new movies from a production side. Like, did she like the editing? Did she not like the editing? Did she like the story? What could they have done better? Like, I want to hear that. Not from the side of let me make 10 YouTube videos about it because it's so critical and awesome Mm -hmm. and Disney sucks. More of a what does she know that I can learn from based on what I've already seen? Mm -hmm. And I love that kind of stuff. So I hope that she goes into it a little bit of, oh, yeah, no, they're great. But here's what I would have done differently from my own perspective. Um, Because people seem to forget that being a film editor, video editor, any type of editor is really an art because you have to decide how long shots hang, what shot cut to, how, you know, you can change the feel of a scene and the emotion and everything about a movie, whether it's successful or not, on the editing. And it's just so important. So I can't wait to hear what she has to say. Yeah. I I can't wait to, to read the segment and she's like, it was perfect <laughs> it was one of those things i wish i did it myself right you know? yeah. like she just has absolutely zero criticism i don't think so from what it seems like she voices her opinions yeah yeah well i think that's interesting too because it could just be like as much as as real as we want to be like well it's just it's her opinion and she is really good at what she does so it's interesting to hear her point of view it's it's one of those things where like you're going to see all the YouTube videos and oh, the yeah. criticisms of like, of, Hey, the person who edited the, the good star Wars uh, like is yet. now being open about all the problems. And it's like, she could give a huge list of things that she liked and things that maybe she would have, have liked to do differently. But I don't, I don't, I'm not entirely positive how in depth this is going to be. Sure. I think it's going to be one of those things where, I mean, what you cannot expect is sh- I I don't think she would be like, well, I think the Canto bite scene was good, but you probably would have removed this scene and this scene or moved them to the end because like 
I'm thinking of it more as when the yeah. editors of The Last Jedi, or not Last Jedi, The Rise of Skywalker spoke on a podcast about the story in The Last, uh, the Rise of Skywalker compared to The Last Jedi, and their critiques were that they had a challenge to pick up the story that was left from The Last Jedi, and that's how they handled their editing, and that's the style they had to play off of. Like, that, mm-hmm. to me, is more of a critique but also a perspective then this is bad if that makes sense yeah also you know i really don't think she's going to be a big part of this book oh no yeah no 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 i mean kazanjin was one of those guys that lucas met early on um as rinsler's talked about in that video and i guess lucas wanted to keep courting him to do get more involved in lucasfilm and his first job was uh more american graffiti the sequel to american graffiti in like 79 and then he went on to help produce empire raiders of the lost ark uh did, uh, did he do yeah return of the jedi and that documentary from Star Wars to Jedi, like that first big Star Wars documentary that came out in the 80s before Empire of Dreams, he produced that. Uh, so I think his stories being a part of producing the um, the original era of Star Wars after the first movie. So when it was big game, like mm-hmm. Star Wars was big time, he comes in and does that. And maybe his... His stories working with George Lucas in that time. Because anytime you hear a new story about George Lucas, I always am just like, wow. Like, George Lucas has is like big fish to me. Like, he... I'm not calling him a liar, but he definitely has versions of his his life and his stories. Like we, like we said when we had Rinsler on. If you had five George Lucases from each decade at a table, would they get along or would they argue with each other? And he's like, oh, they would argue all the time. <laughs> and it's, I'd be curious to hear now from this vantage point from one of uh, the OG, longtime original producers, Howard Kazanjian, what uh, George Lucas stories he has. Because you know Rinsler got, got those out of him too. And then use his own experience working with George to kind of like maybe connect some dots to help us paint a picture of what lucas was really like back then because like i say i really feel like george lucas changes his uh revisions his own history in addition to revising his movies (laughs) (laughs) yeah but i'm excited for it i really am yeah it it i think you're you're right on the fact that she's one probably not going to be in it that much and then two like totally sidestepping you know what i mean like let me ask you would would you think of that um smurfs movie you know it's like it's like you know it's like what what am i here for i thought i was talking about you know something but completely different I agree. but now all of a sudden we're sidetracked i i agree um, completely so, with what lacy said though about yeah marshall lucas in terms of you have that person who saved star wars like you said won the oscar and her take regardless of how big or small i agree completely it's going to be huge so Lacey, I think it was you that told me about the the YouTube. There's a YouTube video that somebody put together that was like how Star Wars was saved in the edit yep. or whatever. Such a good yeah, such a good telling. If you have time to go watch it, it goes from like the moment that Spielberg saw it for the first time and was like, "What is this?" <laughs> to like basically how they fixed without it. the music, right? You didn't even hear it with uh. Yeah, it was him and Coppola, and Coppola was like, "This is trash." <laughs> 
It's crazy. It's amazing. But the way um, they animated it, it was like a picture of him with like the mouth moving, being like, this is trash. <laughs> yeah. It was really well done. Have you guys ever seen the the or heard the story about the bet between George Lucas and Steven Spielberg on Close Encounters of the Third Kind? No. No. Um now I feel like it's gonna be weird. I'm probably retelling the story wrong. So if you do know <laughs> the actual story, put put it in the comments. But I heard that there was like there was like a bet that they made that one was like, dude, Star Wars is going to be way bigger than my movie. And the other one and, and Lucas was like, no way, man, like I'm doing this thing, but like close encounters is going to be so huge. It's going to be way bigger. And they, they made the bet. And then I think like still today, um, because Spielberg won that bet and Star Wars was bigger. Um, he still gets like some sort of percentage of royalties from something because that was the agreement. But like yeah, he needs know. more it, money. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, uh, <laughs> well, neither one of them need more money. I was it's watching, a bet between themselves. I was watching the new. So growing up, I watched Roswell on WB. Like I loved that show yeah. and they recently redid it because nowadays they're redoing everything that was good. Um, to be fair, <laughs> It's also very good. It's a very good show. But at the end, <laughs> but at the end, it says Amblin Entertainment. And I was like, Spielberg. Of oh, course. Aliens. Right. He has something to do with it, of course. Oh, wow. Yeah. Uh, but it caught me off guard. It's interesting. I forgot about that show, Roswell. It's it was in that good. show? Yeah, I kind of did too. Um, I never Shirley watched it, Apple but I remember it being on. the first on. one. She was in the original. But the new one is like completely different from. Shirley Appleby? Appleby? Yeah, I think that's what her name is. Hmm. She was in Girls and that really crazy scene with Adam Driver that everybody talks about. I didn't see Girls. I, I don't like Lena Dunham, so I don't... Oh, she's in like the infamous Adam Driver scene. Shirley Appleby. <laughs> I can only imagine. And people know what I'm Shirley talking about. A- the infamous Sh- scene that everyone talks about with Adam Driver. That when he got hired as Kylo Ren, everyone went, that guy? You're going to go with that guy? Now everyone's going to go, I need to go Google this. Yeah, I yeah. have no clue what you're talking about. You might about. want to avoid it. <laughs> the one thing I do know is that that is the end of the resistance report this week. And Lacey is up next. Lacey, because you're going to take us into the next section, which is called... The Patreon Pod Race. Yeah. <laughs> All right, guys, there are plenty of ways you can support us. You can like this video, comment, subscribe to our YouTube channel. We're growing all the time. Please support us. Thank you. Uh, And then also follow us on Twitter at R-B-A-T-S-W-N-N. Or if you want more content, including like eight plus mini episodes, mailings, uh, we give you exclusive news first. Like if we have special guests, we do Q&As, we put you in the show, etc. we have a Patreon page, and that's at patreon.com slash resistance broadcast, starting at $2 a month. Uh, as you go up in the tiers, you get more access and more benefits. It's a super fun thing, and the community there is just really, really great. So if you need a break from, like, the craziness of internet, but, like, still want to talk Star Wars mm-hmm. and have fun, our Patreon yeah. page is a great place to start. Um, all right. So first of all, before we get into this segment completely, I want to say thank you to our highest tier generals, um, and that would be Carmelo, 
Andrew Staley, Jeremy Myers, Neil Shaw, David Probus, John Reese, Micah Harrison, Michael Gaines, Jetta Rosewater, Bethany, Russ Harbison, making sure I got your name right, Russ, and Kendall Gellner. Thank you guys so much for being generals and supporting us. Um, and as you guys know, this segment, we let the generals be a part of the show. We ask them a Star Wars question. They give us an answer. We react to it. They get to be a part of the show. Um, and we appreciate their support. So this week, we have General Jeremy. And we asked him, are you concerned that the appearances by characters like Ahsoka could take the spotlight spotlight away from Din Djarin in The Mandalorian? So that would be The Mandalorian in The Mandalorian. So, Jeremy, take it away. Hey, guys, what's going on? So this was a great question for me because I love both characters. So it's hard to uh, hard to know if I feel like Ahsoka would be stealing the thunder or not. But honestly, I don't care. I love Ahsoka. I am ecstatic that she is in The Mandalorian this season. Or allegedly, or we'll see, I guess. Um, I think Mando is going to carry the season regardless. You've got the child that's going to steal his thunder anyways and already has. I mean, mainly last season was all about the child in the end. But I had, I had big plans to uh, use my Ahsoka lightsaber somehow for this and show my excitement that way. But here I am stuck uh, at a train giving my thoughts, sharing... Uh, share my answer but yeah i'm i'm excited ahsoka's gonna be in it i don't think she'll steal from from mando and uh hope you're all well and uh can't wait to uh, chat with you guys soon general jeremy out well done jeremy even though you didn't get to use your ahsoka lightsabers and make it i feel like every week the generals are trying to one-up the one before them and like theatrics <laughs> and edits and yeah um but next time Next time you can do something really cool. We appreciate you taking the time out of the crazy day to uh, to be on the show. That being said, great answer. I completely agree, but I'm going to go to John first. John, what do you think? Uh, yeah, I mean, I know you're a big Ahsoka fan, so I was curious how you were going to handle this one. Um, and, you know, you, you make great points. You know, if the Mandalorian still stands tall heading into season two after baby Yoda mania, then an appearance by Ahsoka or whoever, um, shouldn't take too much away from him. So you make great points there. And, um, like you said, even if Ahsoka does Ahsoka fan like you will love it. So, um, but no, yeah, great points. Uh, again, great job with the pod race. Uh, thank you for wishing us well i hope you're doing well uh, with the baby and the family and everyone's doing uh well and, and healthy out there i know california is getting a bit nutty again so hope you're all safe and well and staying out of the heat as much as you can but um way to uh way to bring it once again with the great padres bud thanks jeremy james yeah th- it's definitely interesting because I, I understand that perspective of like you know i don't think the character is going to but if if it did, then then that's fine. Because Ahsoka, as as a character, is like one of the most flushed out characters ever in Star Wars. You don't Wars. say. So it, it's She's like, everything. Yeah, it's, <laughs> yeah. It's, it's one thing I know. It, it's weird to say, like, to make this comparison, but it's like, you know, if they were bringing Darth Vader or the Emperor or, or Obi-Wan Kenobi into the show, um, you'd be like, 
well, that's different because you're bringing in like a movie character and it's like a big deal. But like I said, Ahsoka's had like, she's one of the the most, like most of her life has been told, you know? It's like we know every aspect of it and we've watched it over and over and over again. So to the people who have done that, she is just as, she's a mainline character. Um, so it, I don't know, it's interesting. I think that, you know, she could very well um, pull a little bit too much away, but I, I have full faith um, that they'll handle it properly. But uh, I, I'm I'm with you, Jeremy, though. Like, e- either way, to me, as a Star Wars fan, my, where I'm at, like, yeah, I, I could go either way. The show, the show could go and lean into Ahsoka a lot, or they could just have her as a little bit and stay on that Mandalorian route. I'm, I'm down either way. Awesome. Jeremy, I loved your answer. I love that you love Ahsoka so much. Because, yeah. like, I... I I get excited when other people are like, yes, of course I want this. I also laughed a little bit where you were like, Baby Yoda took over. He absolutely Mm. did. (laughs) The show should be called Baby Yoda and the Mandalorian because I feel like that's all people got out of it at this point. But um, hopefully, like you said, it will will calm down a little bit. Um, But yeah, thank you so much for your support. We really appreciate it. Uh, Now we're going to head over to John and we're going to hear from more of you guys with Ask the Resistance. John? All right, question time. Whose question got picked? That's the question. I've been wondering, what are midi-chlorians? I have the answers. Um, so yeah, we're going to uh, run through your questions right now. Lacey's going to go first. Uh, Keith Miller, you are on the show. Thank you for your question. K Miller NC on Twitter. Uh, whenever the pandemic reopens and Disney can reopen, besides Rise of Resistance, what is the thing you want to do or get the most out of at Galaxy's Edge? Also, based on what you know, what is one thing you hope they do better with? Lacey, what do you think about this one? Hey, Keith. Thanks for your question. Um, so sadly, I have not been to Galaxy's Edge yet. And the first thing that people do when I say that is they're like, what, how? Um, that's a really good question, <laughs> yeah. guys. Um, it's basically that I had plans to go this spring or to go this summer or to go, I don't know, any time during this pandemic. And <laughs> it has kept me from doing it. Um, yeah, it was just one of those things that then it turned into, oh, we're going to all go together at Celebration. It's going to be great because John hasn't gone and I haven't gone. So we'll all get to experience it together. And it just didn't happen. So... The hope is, yes, like you said, when this all this craziness dies down and, and gets back to normal a little bit, uh, which we don't know when that's going to be, but uh, I would love to make the trip to Galaxy's Edge. I'll probably start with the one in Florida because it's closer to me. I'm on the East Coast, but um, I really want to try blue milk and green milk, like really bad. And I want to mm. ride the rides. I want to go on Rise of the Resistance. Um and just like take everything in and take a ton of pictures so I can post about it like three years from now and be like, remember that time that I went there and everyone's like, Lacey, we get it. Stop. Like, that's <laughs> what I want to do. But what I do want to say is I have high functioning anxiety. So every time I see when people talk about how you have to be at a certain place and get a certain boarding pass and like have to be there at a certain time to get a ticket to go on these rides and like mm-hmm. there's all these reservations you have to make about a certain like it just gives me so anx- so much anxiety that I'm hoping by the time that I get there that Disney has sorted that out cuz all I ever hear about is how bad it is 
and how rough it is to get to experience those things because there only is, you know, two rides, the one cantina that you have to have a reservation for, the lightsaber building, which you have to have a reservation for. Like, it's just nuts, which I get because it's a new part of the park. But I'm just hoping by the time, whenever it happens that I get there, that it'll be a little bit easier for me to do what I want to do. Um, and take all the photos so you guys can be angry three years from now when I'm still posting them. Lacey, when, when I went, just to give you a little bit of like whew, resolve here. Oh, it won't happen. Is Whatever I, you say right now is never going <laughs> to Well, sure. Real. <laughs> but th- it was day two of them opening up. And I did have a reservation for Oga's. But when I got there, I was like, is it cool if I bring in another person and also my son? So it was like tripling my reservation. And they were like, yeah, whatever. Yeah, but you have to get the reservation. No big deal. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, I understand, but that was day two, I and I still got it. So think about that for a second. Tickets. Like I That's almost true. cried. <laughs> That's true. We were about to record one time, and it's like solo tickets went on sale, and Lacey was like losing her mind. No, it was Rise of Skywalker. No, it was Solo first. I think it. I want to say it was Solo. It was too. everything, yeah. guys. I'm yeah. not lying. <laughs> solo. Like, what row? What row? What row do you want to be in? Tell me what row. And then yeah, I had to I'm- get hotels for celebration, and then the whole ticket buying was this whole. Th- Guys, I'm the worst. I'm just glad you do it because I would be. <laughs> you get it done at least. I would have the anxiety and like screw it up. Yeah. So that's good. All right. Well done. Good answer. James, this one's going to you. This is from Kevin Lewis at Thrawn Zahn Fan. So uh, I wonder what he likes. Keith and Kevin. I wonder what this question's going to be about. <laughs> it's about Jar Jar Binks. No. Uh, Kevin asked, uh, who would you cast to play a live action Thrawn, James, and why? So, this is a loaded question because no matter what I say, there's not going to be anybody that's like, oh, that's the perfect casting. I love it. Uh, it's always going to be either okay or no. <laughs> uh, I, I took a little bit of time and tried to figure this out. Um, the, f- the first name that I popped up with, I, I was less happy with when I came up with the second name, which I still don't even think is that great, but I landed on Jude Law. Anybody feeling so that? not Pierce Brosnan from the banner? <laughs> so well, I knew I knew that was going to get discussed uh, no matter what, whether it's um, in the comments or just like from you guys, because I think when we saw that picture, it was like, <laughs> oh, best, it looks like he already has been cast. The best is when they were we were standing there. It was like day before it opened, like two days before or day before mm-hmm. they were still putting it on the whole thing and they were about to raise it up. And we're standing there and we all were like, ev- like all the fans that were there it was like 20 people were all like is that Pierce Brosnan? And then like the Lucasfilm yeah. people were there and they were like, it does look like that. Yeah. It looks like him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, Jude law. I, are I you don't asking know. us what we think? Uh, well, I mean, that's fine if you guys want to pop in, but I, the reason I was looking at him was I just, I was trying to look for a character that I thought had the same kind of like thought process 
um, a little bit, and then also kind of like that that general facial structure. Like obviously, even if you did Seth Rogen clean shaved or whatever, he's just not ever going to look like <laughs> what you're what you're anticipating. And I'm like, I don't know. I I even like did a Photoshop. Like uh, I like I painted his skin blue and a little bit. I'm like, <laughs> I, I feel I feel like it could be believable. Um, so that. I don't know. It's a probably a bad casting, but that's who I kind of landed on. Right. The best I could probably do. Talk about Dude's... extra credit. You actually made a skin Now you have to post it. Well, I went in with the red eyes, too. No, I mean, it was terrible. I mean, it looks like post, AMS painted post, it. Post. Post. <laughs> T-shirt. 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 Yeah, you don't want that. Dude, photo. Seth Rogen would be a great boss ass. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, 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 oh yeah <laughs> yeah it'd be perfect all right all right uh good answer what do you guys think of jude law leave in the comments whether you agree with james or <laughs> jeff p skywalker at r.i.p bert convy sorry bert Jeez. why do people believe rumors from garbage websites I'll take this one. (laughs) (laughs) It's like you pick these questions, John. (laughs) Yeah. So the first problem is people, um, other sites who may not be garbage sites report on the rumors. uh, And then because they know they'll get the clicks from them too. So then people say, oh, well, if blank is reporting it, then maybe it's true. And then all it takes is one of those to do it, and then the rest will follow suit. So then you have all these mainstream sites who may have better reputations than the garbage websites, as you put it, uh, reporting the rumor. And then it gets into the eyes of the casual fan, the fringe fans, the fans who are diehard fans, but they don't look too deep under the surface for truth. And that's when the wildfire starts. Then you have another group of people who like talking about how bad the garbage sites are and they cite them and they say, don't follow this website tagged by this person, written by this person on this date. And what are you doing? You're giving them free advertisement by saying, don't do something. Uh, So the people complaining about the garbage sites and the garbage rumors add more eyeballs and more attention to the rumors themselves than uh, the actual reporting. It's like back in the day when Howard Stern got big because most of his audience were people that hated him and they wanted to hear what he said next. It's kind of like this too. People who hate these fake YouTubers or these fake uh, news websites who make stuff up talk about it more than the actual reports themselves and it just spirals and snowballs and explodes and that's where you get stuff trending like they're canceling the Star Wars sequel trilogy and stuff like that. So um, my advice is literally ignore it. Don't share it. Don't say this is dumb and share it to people. Just completely ignore it. And the best way to put out a fire is to suck away its oxygen. And how you do that is by suffocating it and by not acknowledging or talking about it. And just doing a little bit of brief research. I talked about this on the Rumor and Theory Review, which I'm sorry I haven't done those in a little while. But um, just go the extra step. Like, look into things a little bit. Or use common sense and logic. What, how would that make sense for them to cancel the Star Wars sequel trilogy, which made over $5 billion? Come on, guys. So a lot of times we can figure this stuff out on our own, but um, the best thing I would advise is uh, to sites to not share those rumors if they're absolutely made up and for people to not talk about garbage websites and stuff on their social medias and that sort of thing because you're giving those people attention and, and traffic. So 
that uh, that would help that. Uh, so thank you, Jeff. Uh, last one, guys, quickly. Uh, Mike Sellers at Puck32 Ellers said there are a lot of rumors of who will be in season two of The Mandalorian. Are you, ta- are you taking the over or under on three and a half as to how many characters from old Star Wars shows or movies that will make their appearance or debut in Mandalorian season two? So over or under three and a half. Uh, James? Uh, under. For sure. Although I don't know how you'd have to have four, right? <laughs> Overs four, unders three. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I, I'm definitely going under. I think they're gonna. So three um, or less. Just saying. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Lacey, is it gonna be an under for you, or is it gonna be a melee of Star Wars characters in Mando? I'm just thinking of <laughs> Super Smash Brothers, where it's like, choose your character. <laughs> uh, yeah. Just. Yeah, no. Under. Link! <laughs> yeah, under. under? <laughs> yeah. So we're thinking like Ahsoka and maybe like one or two others max. I think so, yeah. I'm going to go with that too. It's already a loaded cast as it is. There's a lot of stuff to be to be done with that. So I'm going to say the under too. Mike, let us know what you think. We all took the under. Did you take the over? We'll find out. Everyone else in the comments too, leave a comment what you think. Um, but that brings us to the end of the show. Uh, thank you to everyone who submitted those questions. Uh, keep them coming on Twitter at R-B-A-T-S-W-N-N uh, or anytime you want to just send anything out. Ha- use hashtag AskTheResistance. We'll find it and we'll get you on the show and talk about it, discuss it, and hopefully give you an answer that you dig. Uh, if you're shy, you can email us at resistancebroadcast at gmail.com with questions too. Uh, make sure you do subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Spotify, YouTube, any audio platform that you take in your podcast. We're there. So subscribe because we have two episodes every week, every Monday and Thursday. And then we'll be back this fall with the Mando Fan Show on Friday and a bunch of other good stuff down the line too. Uh, StarWarsNewsNet.com every day for all of your Star Wars news and reviews, editorials, all that good stuff. Uh, teespring.com slash store slash resistance broadcast we have uh, a bunch of great stuff on there for you guys including uh, like we talked about last week our new revised Gary the Porg design is up there Uh, we'll be posting some cool pictures uh, to showcase that to you guys and uh, make Solo 2 happen of course Uh, I don't know if Sheevy Babes is on there or not but uh, a lot of cool designs most of them made by James over there you guys can find me on Twitter at Johnny Hoey and writing and editing at StarWarsNewsNet.com James where you at? You can find me on Instagram and Twitter uh, at Myra Trunks. Right on, man. Lacey? You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Lacey Gillerin, wishing I was at Galaxy's Edge. <sighs> me too. Yeah. At DJ Rex. Yeah. <laughs> um, so you guys can find us on Thursday, though, with another episode. We're going to be talking about time skips in Star Wars and whether the first Star Wars TV show The Mandalorian will be employing that as we head into season two so that more fun on Thursday hope everyone's well enjoy your weeks and we'll see you in a few days right here on the resistance broadcast we'll see you around kids <laughs>